Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. is hungry, everyone knows about it. But once a child's on solid foods, what they'll actually eat isn't always so straightforward. Welcome to Are We There Yet? I'm Katie Gossett and this is a parenting podcast that offers fresh advice with a few wee gems from the past thrown in. Many times I've stuck up for the potato that much maligned and falsely described as a fattening food. So that was Dr Harold Turbot talking of the humble potato. For many years he was the go-to man on national radio for matters of good health and nutrition, while everyone tuned into Aunt Daisy for home hints and new recipes. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Well, now, if I can only get in all the answers for these different recipes that have been sent for me, the beetroot chutney that somebody wants, I must give that quite soon now, so be ready, because it's a new one from England. But these days, there are more food choices, and it seems like it's all got a bit harder. I'll admit I've resorted to hiding the odd vegetable within another food group, and a lot of parents say they're struggling to get healthy food into their children. Fussy eating, yeah, they're fussy now. They're actually worse than they were. Most of the time we'll all eat the same food, which may just involve swapping out a couple of things, you know, the kids aren't interested in. Our younger child, he would just refuse to try any foods and, like, he would just say, it's yucky. I don't know what it is. They just don't like anything now. It's like you've got to basically cook up a... My Kitchen Rules dinner for them or something, <laughs> they might eat it. But before we embark on a gourmet meal, it might help to consider some of the reasons why our children aren't eating. Fussy eating can start with biology. It starts with, you know, sensory sensitivities, it can start with reflux, it can start with allergies, and some kids just don't love food. So this is Catherine Gallagher, a clinical psychologist and mother, on what might be going on when our children tell us it's yucky. When a child has that response to you know what's going into their bodies they react to their biology and develop behaviors to manage it and their anxiety around it so if if I've eaten food um, or had stuff go into my tummy and then I felt sick then I'm going to develop ways to go you know keep that out of my face so we've got biology we've got the child's reaction to their biology and we've also got the parents reaction to the child and their biology And one of the things, I mean, I've worked in the feeding area for many years, is that anxiety is a big player here. And, you know, having had a couple of kids of my own, you know, you go along to Plunkett, they're weighed. You know, I had one child with reflux. I'm aware just of how intense the anxiety around, um, you know, how, you know, is my baby eating enough to sustain life? Are they eating enough to kind of be healthy and happy? And it can feel like there's a lot of judgment on what we do as parents. You know, when I work with families and I get them to describe what happens around mealtimes, there's all these things at play and then there's a lot of attention being paid to non-eating behaviours. And that's not a new thing. Parents have always found the dinner table to be something of a battleground. They probably ate vegetables up until about 18 months and then it was like their taste buds came in and it was like, nah. I had a cousin who 
would only eat salami, uh, apple, and there was one other thing that he'd eat. There was just these three things that he would eat. And to this day, I mean, he's in his 20s now, but he still struggles with eating. As a child, I didn't eat vegetables, and I hardly had any. I think I ate three vegetables through my teenage years even. So so it's kind of like my mum's probably going, ha-ha, <laughs> this is what you were like. The lid's off, the word's out. Bring home the Coke. Bring home the Coke. Coca-Cola puts you at your sparkling best. And yes, while the lure of sweet treats has probably always been there, some parents feel like it's getting worse. I think it is probably very much more difficult for our younger people and ourselves now too. It is all about convenience, gobble and go, instant gratification. It's in their face all the time. And that can make the battle at the dinner table even harder. So basically, you need strategies. For me, I have experimented a lot with baking. They both love to bake, so I put things like pumpkin and scones um, or zucchini, grated zucchini and cakes as ways of getting vegetables in them. I'd mix things in with other things so that they wouldn't notice what they were, cauliflower or something like that, and you put it, maybe slice it really thin and put it in with mashed potatoes. Juices as well. You know, I can put broccoli in them, spinach in them, as well as, you know, apple and pineapple. But, yeah, and they, they love it. <laughs> it's just been my lifesaver as far as knowing that I'm still getting good food into them. May I ask you, what is this meal you're giving this youngster? It looks very attractive to me. It is a mixture of vegetable called vegetable puree. Vegetable puree. And how old is this youngster? He is uh, eight, uh, 10 months. Back in the 1950s, many New Zealanders were learning good eating habits early on at Karatane hospitals. But these days, dinner can become a rather protracted affair. Fussy eaters might have their meals heated up for them five times. They might have separate meals. They might have, you know, they take four hours to eat a meal. Back to Catherine Gallagher, our clinical psychologist. There's a lot of things that happen, and I'm not even saying those things in a critical way to parents. My God, we do what we need to do to survive. But you can see how eating becomes a very, again, provocative behaviour. And if we get into a battle between autonomy, the child's sense of autonomy and, and protection, self-protection, and hunger, we actually know that autonomy will win out. So a child will actually not eat if they're feeling as though they're defending their space. And pooing and eating are often about some control and trying to create a sense of safety in themselves. So it doesn't pay to make blanket assumptions about why a child might not be eating. Fussy eating happens because I'm going to avoid certain foods because they make me uncomfortable. I'm going to avoid certain foods because something like that reminds me of something that made me uncomfortable, so I might generalise. I'm going to avoid certain foods because actually mum and dad have a big reaction when I avoid certain foods, so there's a lot of attention that might go along with that. And I've kind of lost the, the confidence to try new foods. And once you understand why it's happening, you can start to make gradual changes. It might be around taking their two-hour meal time down to half an hour, and whatever they eat in that half an hour is kind of, you know, um, what's to be eaten and what's not. They certainly don't get a dessert afterwards type thing. Because I think what can happen is that we're so keen to get them to have the tomato-based sauce that we would spend two hours negotiating and convincing them. And you can see from an attentional point of view what child's going to eat their sauce if in actual fact the opposite allows them all of this parental attention. It's about deciding, you know, if, if I look at my child's diet and there are things that are missing, for example, or actually they'll only eat one brand of, of whatever, 
then it might be you think, you know, our challenge for the next wee while is going to be introducing a slight variation on that. But the key thing is to start small. Big changes often freak everybody out, and um, even though they might create change more quickly, they often create a lot of anxiety, which puts everybody off. So often it's gradual changes. For example, it might be a child who absolutely hates vegetables might start to tolerate having vegetables on a side plate next to their plate um, that they don't have to eat, but it's just sitting there and they know it's theirs. Because <laughs> for some kids, even knowing that that's on a plate that belongs to them, that's too much for them to cope with. It's going to depend on the child um, and the family's um, situation. And then that bit of food might end up being moved onto their plate again with no expectation of eating it, but it's actually theirs. And again, that starts to break down that sense of, of phobia or, or, or intense fear over that piece of food. And then it might move towards, you know, again, a gradual step towards how we're going to get give them some choice over which bit they try, but they're going to be trying a piece of that food and it might be that they lick it and put it down. You know, you're having to, to really work at building that child's resilience around being brave to do with food. Uh, over here is a curly-haired youngster smiling up at me now with a face full of a vegetable puree. And then you've got to decide which you think is worse, fussy eating or messy eating. It's not always about getting the food in the child's mouth. So if you've got a toddler who is being selective, really important to do whatever it is that you can do to be okay with some messy food play. Because messy food play is a really important developmental task that kids, and, and feeding themselves and getting it everywhere but the mouth, you know, because if they start to get confident around the sensations and, and um, get to have control over the fact that they're the ones putting things in their mouths, even though as a parent you think, I know if I feed them, I'm going to get more in there and it's going to be quicker. And sometimes that's going to have to be the case. But it might be if you've got a child who turns their head away and shuts their mouth, putting the food in front of them and just realising... Yep, we might have a little phase of them not eating as much, but if I give control over to them and they're experiencing some autonomy over what they're doing, I'm far more likely to get ultimately more food into them. And that's us for today. Are We There Yet is produced and presented by me, Katie Gossett, and Adam McCauley assists with musical production. Our executive producer is Tim Watkin, and archival audio comes courtesy of Nga Taonga Sound and Vision and Archives New Zealand. If you have a parenting issue you'd like me to look at, send me an email at yet or one word, at radionz.co.nz. And don't forget to catch our next episode, where we'll talk about what many of you have said is one of the biggest challenges of modern parenting, dealing with screen time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.